Hank and Walter on Worcester. Thanks for joining us. I'm Hank Stoltz, News and Talk Radio, AM 830 WCRN. He's Walter Bird, editor of Worcester Magazine. This is a co-production of WCRN and Worcester Magazine. And today, of course, we are reacting to the news of Officer Tarantino's death. As some of you are listening to this, the, the funeral will have already taken place. Others of you listening to it uh, before it will have it taken place. But obviously, Walter, a very, very emotional time. And people reacting to it in a, in a number of different ways. But certainly one of the things that we want to tackle here in the podcast is that a number of people are asking, and probably the number one asked question is, why in the world was Jorge Zambrano on the streets? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Or really, I guess it's the $500 question, because mm. that's how much his bail was the last time. Uh, you know, that's the question everyone should be asking, Hank. And I know we are. The media are asking it. You're asking it. Um, sure as hell, his family's probably asking it uh, in between the grief and the sobs and, 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 and uh, you know, missing their son. I mean, uh, everybody's got to be asking that question. And uh, bottom line is he's out because a judge let him out. I mean, a judge let him off the hook, really. I, we know judges have the power in, in this judicial system, and they, they are really judge, jury, and executioner in many of these cases, like this particular case. As we understand it, uh, and I know, by the way, I know, Hank, that, that there's some, um, you know, ridicule being directed toward a district attorney. Uh, and, you know, we have not been able to get the district attorney um, to talk, you know, with us one-on-one -on -one yet about this. But bottom line, in this particular instance, this last case, this was a judge's decision. And I believe that the DA, the prosecutor, had asked for the bail to be revoked. revoked? What we heard in that in, in that tape, and I think that many people have heard that audio now, right. is that many people, as they heard this back and forth, you heard the defense attorney begin to talk to, to Judge Mandel and, and, and talk to him about what a good guy Zambrano is, yeah. uh, that he was engaging was a word that, that, that he used, that, you know, he was distrustful of the, uh, of the police. And the, but, I think the judge said that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, maybe, but, but judge, you know, I mean, we've got to walk a mile in his shoes kind of, kind of argument. And you're right, though, to point that out. And the judge said too bad. Honestly, listening to it, if the judge had come down and said, you know, off you go. Yeah. You wouldn't have been surprised at all. The, the surprise is kind of after what the judge said, that it was the $500 bail. Right. Well, I, I'm wondering what the judge meant by that's too bad. See, here's the thing. Oh, I see. Were we dealing with a judge who doesn't like police? Because I'll tell you what, they do exist. There are judges that don't like law enforcement. There are judges that maybe um, are, are liberal bleeding hearts. This guy was one of them. He's got an impeccable reputation. I get that. Yeah. And I talked to a defense attorney, a local defense attorney uh, last night. I posted it on our website. He didn't want to be named for obvious reasons. He's dealt with this judge. He's known him since the judge was a lawyer. He said he's got an impeccable reputation. And, you know, you're talking about what that uh, defense attorney was saying about his client. And I asked this defense attorney I talked to, you know, how do you justify it? He's like, look, this is our job. So one of the only jobs that's actually constitutionally protected because everyone has a right to, mm -hmm. to representation. And, um, you know, the, the, the defense attorney did what he was supposed to do. The judge did not do what he was supposed to do. Yeah, it did not have to. And, and Judge Mandel, right, 19, <laughs> so born 1945, so that makes him, what, 71 years old right, right. now. He uh, has been a, a lawyer since 1973, as, as you pointed out. 
He's been somebody who, as a partner in, in his law firm, has been. And it's funny because the defense attorney at one point during the during the argument, during the conversation, as he's talking to the judge, says basically says to him, you know, judge, you've been on this side. You know, you've been on both sides. We've both been at this. I've been at this for over 30 years. We've both been at this for a long time. Uh, judge Mandel was appointed by uh, Governor Salucci in 1999. Yeah, We've both been at right. this. Right. We've both been at this for a long time. And, you know, and you've been on this side. I, I took that to mean. Hey, you've defended guys like this the same way that I am today. And does that have an influence? I went back and I just, you know, the power of uh, of the search engine these days. I just put put Judge, you know, Andrew Mandel into into Google. Yeah. And, you know, you come up with some of these decisions in, in Fitchburg. In Fitchburg, there was one back from about two, three years ago where there was a guy who he didn't let go. Uh, you know, the guy, he, he determined that the guy was a danger. The guy was a danger to his neighbor. The guy was a danger to, to others. He certainly was a case that he presided over that many of you might remember a number of years ago where the husband packed the wife away in the suitcase after he'd done away with her. Certainly didn't let that guy go. I mean, I don't no, know no, what the limits test go. is. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, but. He's got some sort of a, of a, <laughs> a law here. here. He won't cross. If you pack up your wife <laughs> in a suitcase, suitcase, you're going away. You're going away. Yeah. No bail. No bail. But, but I, I <laughs> no do bail. think this is, the, this is the question. Is it that, we are, that we're focused on Judge Mandel? Or this is part of the question. Is it that we're focused on Judge Mandel? And I think a lot of people are, are you know, kind of started where you are. He must be letting everybody go. He must be right. this bleeding heart liberal. Or are there all kinds of Zambranos running around out there? Because this is just the justice system in Massachusetts. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, I can be uh, I can be swayed, too. So, I mean, yeah. All right. So is he a bleeding heart liberal? He's a judge in Massachusetts. So, yes, I believe he is. OK, now it does. Has he let I mean, the, the wife in a suitcase, well, a moron could have made that decision, Hank. Anybody wouldn't have let that Nobody's guy Nobody's going to let that guy go. And I don't know the, the, the facts of the other case, but this was a case where this guy had um, a multiple times now, I think it was a couple of times by the time this came out, had had run-ins with the law, um, with police, assaulting or whatever, resisting arrest. Um, he had punched, he had beat his girlfriend, okay? Look, the defense attorney I talked to last night said, if this was in another district, if this had been tried in Middlesex, this kid's still in jail today yeah. because of the whole the Jared, the Jared Remy case. They, they, they started putting you away if you looked at your girlfriend. And even though the girlfriend apparently is the one who came with the 500 bucks. The stripper girlfriend? To, yeah, yeah. To, 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 to let him. wonderful girl, yeah. To let him out and say, I don't know what she was saying, that it was, you know, it's all a misunderstanding. I was just, I was just, I was just, I was just calling somebody. Yeah. I don't know why everybody driving by thought his fist was, was in my face and, you know, was calling yeah, to, 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 to help me I out. I ran into his face. Yeah. You know. I, the, the, so the judge is, is hearing all this. The judge at one point also says, you know, you, whether you have a problem with, with police, and I'm paraphrasing these, these aren't exact quotes, you know, whether you have a problem with, with, with police or authority or not, the next time a, an officer tells you to do something, you've got to do it. And if I see you back here, then you're going to West Boylston. You know, I'm going to, you, you know, you aren't going to be locked up. But then the judge does see him. Again, the guy fails the, the, the drug test for cocaine. Yeah. The guy's got, as the, as the uh, ADA said uh, when he was doing this, he goes, you know, Judge, this is somebody who he's got an open case, and that open case is that he's got, uh, you know, uh, trouble with a police officer. Yeah. Every one of these charges against these he guys is he's fighting with police. He? You know, he didn't, and he's fighting with police officers. He goes back before right. the judge, and he still doesn't go. No. No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, and it makes you question, uh, you know, maybe what that judge is feeling and thinking. But there's a couple of things here. You know, number one, I don't, I'm not going to just lay it at the feet of the judge, although most of the times, yes. Once you appoint a judge, and, um, you know, if people are hearing this after Worcester Magazine comes out on Thursday, 
they'll see the story that reporter Tom Quinn did. Um, because remember, the governor's council appoints the judges. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually talked with the governor's council, uh, with three members of them actually. Um, and most of them, you know, they're like, yeah, this is kind of a bad deal here. Um, one of them, a Democrat, expressed outrage at a lot of these judges. And their defense is, once we appoint these judges, even when the governor gets them, because it goes through a judiciary council first. I think a seven-member uh, council that, that are made up of lawyers. They recommend the judge to the, uh, or they recommend candidates to the governor. Right. The governor then picks one and puts it before the governor's council. They then just affirm it or they don't affirm it. Um, this guy was affirmed, obviously. But once the judge puts on that robe, they're basically saying, you don't know how they're going to go. Um, I think that's a cop-out. I think there's a lot of people. And I know, first of all, I know it's easy to blame people. Everyone wants to blame somebody here. Here's the bottom line. A piece of shit shot a cop, uh, allegedly shot at him five times, or fired five shots. There's, there's five very, shots? Yep. Right. Um, hit him at least once, twice actually, I think. Um, and one, unfortunately, where uh, his bulletproof vest did not protect him. Um, that's who to blame. That's who to blame. Now, are there laws that need to be tweaked? Look, I would like to see the, the statute regarding dangerousness hearings tweaked, because apparently, not apparently, the fact is... A dangerousness hearing can only be requested if a, a weapon were involved. He could. I bet you he would have gone to West Boylston after this one if the cop had uh, left. Yes. <laughs> had lived. Um, a dangerousness hearing is requested and can be awarded uh, if there's a weapon involved, a gun, or in cases of domestic um, abuse. Now, if that's the case, I don't know why. It, well, no, I do know. The DA said they didn't request a, uh, a dangerousness hearing in that case involving um, Dabrano and his girlfriend because they had asked for the bail to be revoked. Once he denied the bail revoked, they then asked for 25000 Now, I don't know if they could have said, well, then in that case, we want a dangerousness hearing. I don't know if they could have done that. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but I, I'd like to see that statute uh, redefined because I think if you assault a police officer, you're dangerous. And have a history of it. You're dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that there's a lot of uh, places uh, that so we can it, look for blame. It, it, there is. It's inexplicable. I, you know, you, you've talked about some people have been, uh, you know, looking at the district attorney's office. Everybody is, of course, asking about it and talking about the judge. And uh, I mean, clear now that the, that the right decision was not made. I've also heard people questioning, you know, the, the governor. I mean, you know, people who say, Governor, I don't care if you can remove him or not. Why are you not screaming? that he should be removed. Well, and again, I, and I'm not sitting here screaming that he should be removed because you know what? It doesn't matter now. This guy was killed. Now, do we want to prevent the next guy from getting killed? Unless this judge uh, has absolutely no conscience and no heart, I'm guessing oh. he's feeling pretty damn bad right now. I've got to think the defense attorney is as well who well, said no, that this was an engaging and fellow. That's where I don't think so. Really? Talking to the defense attorney I, th- I talked to, him, he basically said you have to have a, a pitcher's mentality, a quarterback's mentality. It's the next play. You can't oh, think about that. Your, boy, job this, is, oh. your job is to defend that person. That is your job. Your job is to get that person off. You can't be responsible or think that you're responsible for what he's going to do after you get him off, because that's your job. That person is entitled under the Constitution to a defense, and he's paying you money for you to defend him. So I don't think that the, the, the I mean, I'm not saying the lawyer's not feeling bad, right? But he's still going to be a defense attorney. Yeah, be a defense attorney, and, the, and I don't know what the, you know. The, the judge seems to be older. I mean, I suppose he he could retire. Uh, is is this the note you want to go out on? I'm not completely uh, you know sure about all the rest of of his record. I do come back though. 
more than just focusing on this this one judge who I'm sure has had many, obviously many 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 decisions since 1999. The majority of which right, that I we had that way. we have not questioned. Yeah. Uh, this is exactly. It really is the system itself, and how is it? And that this time Zambrano is was is walking the streets. And again, I'm back to when if I was able to hear the audio from a hundred cases, how many Zambranos are are walking around? How many got put behind bars? And I'm betting a lot too. Oh sure, yeah. Right now, there's, there's from all different of, judges. You know, and here's the other thing. You know, we talk about the system being broke, and um, and I agree with you 100. percent But here's what else is broken: the respect for authority is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a systemic failure among parents, among educators, among us as a society that we have raised a generation of people, and I'm not going to say a whole generation, but it certainly seems like a generation of people who do not respect authority. And I'm not just talking about cops. I'm talking about anybody in authority. And when I, I spoke with Chief Jim Hurley, um, Jimmy's a great guy out in Leicester, the police chief. I spoke with him yesterday, um, and we actually interviewed him for, again, this week's Worcester Magazine, um, Two Minutes With actually a great piece because all you had to do was just ask him questions and mm-hmm. you know his answers were phenomenal. And he told me point blank, he's never seen it like it is today. The lack of respect. The cops are being encountered and challenged like never before. There's a brazenness. There's a they don't care. Nobody cares. Um, and I would argue that a lot of the reason they don't care is what you said. The legal system is broke. Most of them aren't gonna you know and by the way if you go to jail and you're a cop killer you're a hero in jail if you kill the cop. So there is no real penalty for these guys because they're not going to be presidents. They're not going to college to become doctors. Their life and their reputation is how badass they are. Mm. So they go to jail. They're a hero if they kill the cop. And yeah. that's, you know, so we've got a serious problem here. And I'm not saying that every cop is a good guy or a good gal. I'm not. I'm not saying that there aren't bad apples. But for the love of God, Hank, how many times do we have to see this and keep hearing the same argument? Oh, the poor person. You know, the poor. The well, poor right, but, but, but it comes back to it. And, and you're right. I mean, in this case, the defense attorney was kind of, you know, I mean, we've got to walk a mile in his shoes or however it is that, that he put it. You know, like the guy didn't get his his bicycle when he was five. So this set him off on a life of crime. And that's why he's snorting coke and selling it and everything else. <laughs> but it, it also just wait what you're saying, because this is, of course, what Officer Tarantino's mother said. There's just no respect out there for for the officers. And, and I'll go with what you were just saying in that, you know, what is it that nobody's watching one Adam 12 see the man on the on the corner anymore? It's all the shield. It's all every cop is dark and rotten and on the take and yep. doing all of these the, the, these terrible things. The nightly news is is there's a there's a chase from Holden and Nash where the guy gets out of the car and he gets the crap beat out of him. You know, it's these are the the images. You know, the images are are, are, are Ferguson and Baltimore and you know oh. What was simmering the tension underneath that that led to this? What were these? You know, what was systemic in these police departments that you know that that led to to, to the citizens finally, uh, you know, taking action? Yeah. That's what we see on on the nightly news. So yeah, if you're a kid, you know, you're growing up. It's it's a whole. What you're being told is absolutely completely different than what we grew up with 30 years ago. Absolutely, and and your kids and my kids are not the kind of kids that we're talking about here because. You know, we're talking about kids that from an early age are raised in environments where they have no parents, their parents are doing drugs, they get into gangs. There's a culture 
of disrespect. It's a culture of you have to challenge authority. And not only do you have to challenge authority, you got to beat the crap out of authority. That's what you do. That's mm-hmm. how you live. That's the code that they live by. It's a whole different ballgame than what we're talking about. Now, the so-called good kids, yeah, they also are growing up with a lack of respect in some regards because uh, for a whole number of reasons I would expect, I would suspect. But there's a fringe element here that has no regard for human life, for human decency, no regard for anything. Uh, and and here's how much of a man this Jorge Zambrano was, or George, or whatever the heck his name was. And by the way, his friends are all over Facebook. You know, wonderful scholars they are, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He was a sweet guy. He was a nice guy. He was so good to his dog. He was good to his dog. dog. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, well, good for him. Is, is that the, the one who ran out of the closet the when, when he was hiding with him? When he came out with gun blazing after the dog? Yeah, the dog took off. All right. Um, you know, and by the way, credit to them for not shooting the dog. I mean, hmm. I would have. And so, um, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. You know, this guy shot uh, Officer Tarantino in the back, as we're told. That means Tarantino was either returning to his cruiser mm-hmm. or was running back to his cruiser, um, you know, because he saw the killing. I don't know. Um, I don't think they know. But we do know this. This guy was a coward. This guy was dangerous. This guy was evil. He had a streak in him. He should have been behind bars. But we can sit here and we can say should have, could have, would have all day long. I really want to go with what, what Jim Hurley told me, Chief Hurley said um, when I talked to him yesterday, and that is, here's what we can do. Going forward now, you want to honor Tarantino's memory? You want to honor Ron's memory? You want to honor police? Let's start treating police with respect today, tomorrow, next week, next month, yeah. next year. Let's keep that cycle going. Um, because, But you know what? Here's the thing. We're talking to the wrong people. The people that are supposed to do it are never going to do it because that's not their life. Right. That's not their life. Gangs are not like us. And by the way, from what I understand, Zambrano was a gangbanger. He was running with a gang here in Worcester or had been running with a gang here in Worcester. And we'll hear more about that. Um, You know, so this was a bad, 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 bad kid. Let's talk a little bit with uh, with a couple minutes remaining because Worcester Magazine has done a fabulous job, as have others. I do have yeah. to say, and I know yeah. that you've said this publicly, Walter. The coverage, Mass Live, others has has been fantastic. Mass Live to get that audio that everybody has been reacting to. Uh, you know, I mean, a, a great job on on their part. You have a a photo that is being used over and and over again. A police officer being hugged by his child. And I know that you recently found out exactly what was being said in that exchange. Yeah, I did. Um, and uh, that photo was taken by Stephen King, our photographer. It was down at uh, Moran Funeral Home in Leicester. And it was the day, actually, it was the day that they, it was at the same time that they were catching Zambrano. They were bringing um, Ron Tarantino's body mm-hmm. back from Boston. And um, if we choke up, I apologize. But um, so they were bringing Tarantino's body back. And um, a little setup here. G- Chief Hurley had expected a, you know, 10 or 20 cruisers maybe lying in the street when he went up to the to Leicester Center. He wanted to be there for the body, so he thought there were going to be some police. It was like the entire community came out, yeah. everybody. It was a sea of people, a sea of uh, emergency workers. So Stephen was there, and um, he had asked me if I wanted him to come into Leicester, where I was, where they were doing a standoff thing, and I said, no, stay where you are because this kid's either coming out in a body bag or he's going to be in a cruiser, and nobody's going to see him anyway, so you're not going to get a shot. Let's let's stay there. Um, and they didn't let the media down into the parking lot by the you know behind the uh, funeral home, which they wouldn't, and they shouldn't. 
but Steve was where he was, and he just happened to capture um, a little boy running over to um, a cop. And the cop knelt down, and the boy just collapsed into his, he collapsed into his arms. And, and you could see it in a photo, um, which is almost a magazine.com, and now it's all over the place. Uh, the boy was bawling his eyes out. And I think most folks, including myself, we thought, well, maybe that's Officer Tarantino's, one of his three kids. But I believe Ron's kids were all a little bit older. Um, as it turns out, and this was verified, um, you and I were here just a few moments ago, and I was on a phone with Chief Lucas, Andy out in uh, Auburn, who's another terrific guy, and his department is just reeling through this, by the way, just reeling. Um, he confirmed that that boy, it wasn't Officer Tarantino's son, but it doesn't make that photo any less impactful because it was that officer's son. And the reason that that boy ran to his father is because he had just found out, whether his mother told him or somebody told him, he just realized why he was there. There was a dead cop in that, in that hearse. Not only was there a dead officer, it was Ronnie Tarantino. That father and that boy have been, have hung out with Tarantino. He knew the officer mm. Tarantino. So the boy ran to his father, fell to his arms, and as he was being hugged by his father, he said, Daddy, please don't be a police officer anymore. Please don't be a police, a police officer. He was begging his father not to be a cop. And that's something that Chief Lucas did confirm with us. I mean, that just, you know, you look at the photo without that story, and right. you're like, holy crap. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. No, no, no. When, you're, uh, when your son comes up and realizes, really realizes the danger that, that dad is in each and, and every day, that's an, it's an incredible story. And I guess we'll... We'll just leave with, with, with this. The fact is, is that you've been, you've been talking to to these departments and uh, lost just a fantastic individual in Officer Tarantino. That's what um you know. <laughs> whenever somebody dies, um, everybody who knew that person says they were great. You know, um, Zambrano's friends are saying he was great, but we know that they're full of crap. This guy, Ron Tarantino. Um, to a man, you couldn't hear a bad thing about him if you went and lifted up the, the biggest rock in the in the deepest forest mm. you could find. This guy was a good guy. Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, that that Chief Hurley out in Lester told me was he always knew when Andy was in the building, uh, Ronnie was in the building, um, because of the laugh. He had a, he had just this laugh. It was infectious. You didn't have to hear him talk. You didn't have to see him. And and, he, and when you heard the laugh, you had to go and see him. And what was he laughing about? Um, he made relationships. Diane Williamson from the Telegram and Gazette had one of the best columns. Um, yeah. that's been, I, it, she's a phenomenal. She's awesome. I love Diane. But she talked to um, a, a store clerk at one of the, what was it, a mobile or a show? Yeah. Um, who had known Ron. Ron would go in there for the overnight shift. And it really st it spoke to me, too, because I've been in those. I've done those jobs. Um, I worked at the old Texaco in Auburn. Now it's a shell. Maybe it's that shell. Yeah. Right near the, uh, the highway. And that's where all the cars would come. I knew so many police officers, um, uh, most of whom I just found out from Chief Lucas. They're all retired, so that shows you how <laughs> old we are and I am. But, um, you know, th this guy formed relationships. This guy knew people. This guy was a friend. This guy was a son. He was a father. He was a brother. Um, he, and he wasn't just a cop. Uh, somebody described him, one of the uh, chiefs, I forget which one. I think it was uh, Jim Hurley. He was a teddy bear. He was a he was a very imposing guy, six four, um, could take care of himself, uh, had all the power as a police officer to do what he had to do, but he was just a giant teddy bear. Yeah. And um, you know, it's never a good thing when anybody gets killed like that. But it seems like we lost somebody who someday, honestly, I think could have been a police chief and would have been um, a credit 
and already was a credit to the Shield. That's where we'll leave it. For Walter Bird, I'm Hank Stoltz. Thank you for joining us. Hank and Walter on Worcester, a co-production of News & Talk Radio AM830 WCRN and Worcester Magazine.